Hey, yo, what up, party peoples? Welcome once again to another episode of The Spin Room. I be your man, Big Pee Wee. That's my girl, Big Les. What up, Leslie Les? Hey, y'all, what's up? Your, uh, your girlfriend's favorite DJ, DJ Ron C. What's good, peoples? I ain't in the millennial, Miss Everything, J. Tasha. What it do? What it do, baby boo? All right, somebody is uh, turning up real big right now. Birthday celebration. What up, Jay? Talk to hey, him. Hey, you know, I'm enjoying my birthday. birthday. Uh, yeah. Get it, get it, get it, get it. Yeah, one time for the birthday girl. Two yeah, times for the birthday girl. <laughs> my birthday was yesterday, but I'm still celebrating, so I'm so excited. As you should. As you should. All right, man, we got a great show for y'all today, man. We're going to rock out on this uh, Friday, y'all what I'm saying? We got a special guest that's in the building, uh, this guy right here. Uh, when you talk about R&B, this group has to be in the conversation. Straight out of the ATL, um, Atlanta, Georgia, man. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please make some noise and give it up for my man, Deron Jones, of 112. Yeah, man. Yes. There it is. All right, Sound. so we got to turn the phone one more time. Turn it one more time. Oh, I still got to turn it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll rock like that. It's all good. We're going to make it happen. Uh, he can turn it. It'll, it'll flip. It'll flip. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now we we'll see the studio. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, what you been doing all quarantine, been in the studio? Oh, yeah. All day, every day. So... So once again, my man, Deron, uh, thank you so much, my brother, for uh, joining us on the Spin Room. Truly appreciate you taking, yeah, taking the time out and rocking with us today, man. Um, let's just jump right into it, man. Let's, uh, let's get it, it popping. I mean, Atlanta, Georgia, hot spot of quarantine. Y'all folks out there wilding out, man, and I know you being safe. But, so what you been doing during this time, man? Man, you know, I just been kind of detoxing, like really, you know what I'm saying? Detoxing on food, you know, so, and, and working on music, you know what I'm saying? I was already kind of working on music anyway. I'm working on an album called Pleasure, and I was kind of getting towards the end of that. And then when all, everything went down recently with Omar Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and, you know, everything else that was going on with police brutality, I kind of stopped for a minute and just backed off for the, from, from the music for a second. And I just kind of started you know, detoxing and, of course, staying inside and not really, you know, going into any places unless it's essential, you know. With the name of your album being called, or the project you're working on being called Pleasure, and then you even just talking about all the things are really what you're writing about. Well, yeah, I mean, it totally switched everything. Like, I stopped, you know, creating because, you know, with, with all of that going on, I really, you know, I really wasn't even in the same zone album wise, you know, and I had wrote a song called um, I Bleed a few years ago. And it was just in response to some of the police brutality that I was seeing. But, you know, at the time, as we can see now, a lot of those conversations and things that needed to be addressed a few years ago was a little bit taboo. But now they, they ain't so taboo. So when all this stuff went down, I was doing my lives and the fans kept saying, yo, we need to, you know, what's going on? We need you to uh, do something musical. And I was thinking to myself, well, I already got this song, you know, called I Bleed, but I really didn't feel comfortable, you know, recording and putting the song out because it was such a touchy subject. And it's not like I'm really, you know, bashing the police per se, mm -hmm. but I am holding them accountable for, you know, what's going on in our communities. And I'm 
you know, I'm, a, I'm addressing it more human sense, you know, calling out for empathy. But at the same time, I'm still saying, hey, you know, don't shoot your gun because I bleed just like you. So it, it definitely changed my whole, you know, scope in terms of musically what I was working on. Now, I know um, you're big in, you know, playing instruments. Yeah. That's one of your big things. I think outside of performing and stuff like that, you pride yourself on, you know, the piano, the drums and everything like that. Uh, where did that come from? Um, just growing up in church, you know, growing up in, and everybody, you know, most of the people in R&B started out in church. So, I mean, the drums was really one of the first instruments that I saw outside of the piano on my grandmother's porch where I started, you know, mapping it out and kind of playing it by ear before I even had a set. Cause just watching the guys at church, I could see that the kick drum was doing the, the bottom and the snare was doing, you know, the clap basically. And then your hi hat. So, I would imagine having a drum set at home and just kind of play songs by ear. So by got a chance to pick a pair of drumsticks, I already kind of knew what to do on the drums. But it started from just being at church, being at church and being close to music in that way. Like you kind of just, I mean, if you had that ear for music, you were going to reach for it. Right, right. So, I mean, you play a lot of stuff by ear. You started off playing stuff by ear, huh? Yeah, I played by ear. Like I started playing the piano by ear. Um, I was three years old, and my grandma would tell me stories all the time, like, yeah, baby, you know, all the other kids was outside playing, and, and you was just on that piano just a banging. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, real great. She was like, oh, well, you, just, you was on there just a banging until you, you, you started to figure it out. But you, the kids was playing, and you just on there banging. <laughs> so, Duran, let's go down memory lane real quick, my man. Um, you know, how did 112 come about? Because they was, you guys <laughs> wasn't 112 at first. Um, so, you know, let's take, take us down memory. How did Duran, Q, Mike, and Slim come together? Okay, so we all went to the same high school together, basically. But me and Mike first met in the summer camp. And, uh, you know, I was really kind of could sing a little bit. But Mike was really a grown man already singing. You know, he was... We was probably both maybe 12 or 13 years old, but he sounded like, you know, Gerald Levert or somebody. So, you know, I was impressed with that, and he was impressed with my musical skills. So we kind of just got together and started a little something. And then we met Q and Slim later on in high school. And so the, the group formed together in high school when we were asked to sing at the coronation. And so we sung at the coronation, and then we did these uh, <laughs> pelvic thrusts that got us in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, we kind of just we kind of just kept the group moving, you know what I'm saying? And started doing talent shows throughout the city as Forte, the acronym uh, that meant forever on route to excellence. So we won all the talent shows in the city, and it was the big sharing showcase talent show. We won that one. And so it got to the point where our buzz in the city was because we could no longer compete in the talent shows. They would invite us because they know we needed the exposure, but they was like, you know, you guys are special invited guests. You, you can't compete no more. So... That kind of became our buzz throughout the music industry. So label execs would come down, like, who is this uh, Forte group? And it was, a, it was another group named 4.0 that played instruments and stuff like that. So it was, it was Forte and 4.0. And, and the label executive was, was hovering around Atlanta, you know, trying to see, you know, who are these young guys? And, and so we kind of ended up meeting some of everybody, but Puffy was the one who eventually uh, decided to give us a shot. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you, with being under Puffy's label, Bad Boy, 
if you decided to start a label of your own, what would you say you learned to do and not to do from because we've heard so many discrepancies over the years about the tracks, whether people are just so hungry to be artists and don't write, you know, read their contracts and stuff. But being on the inside, what would you say you've learned from him to do and not to do? Um, I think like what I really learned, you know, firsthand was like, don't get too personal, you know, with, with your artists. You know, that's what I learned. Because I have I have a production company, DPS Productions, and I had signed some talent over the years and I was just so cool with them and then and to the point where they could wear the clothes out my closet, you know, car. Like, I was just so cool with them that eventually that respect level was lost. And I think, like, I learned from Puffy, like, he was cool enough with us where it was no disrespect involved at all. But at the same time, he he he, he put a barrier up where you were only going to get so cool with him, you know, as one of his artists, and it always kept that respect level the same. No. That's dope. Um... You know, you've been in this industry for I don't know how long, my man. A nice little minute. One twelve is. <laughs> I I didn't want to put no number on it. You know what I'm saying? Twenty plus years. Yeah. Claim those years. Are you kidding? Most yeah. people can't say that. Yeah, twenty plus years. When you look back upon when you guys started, and when you look at where you are right now, and how times has changed. With social media, I noticed that you are really big on staying close to your fan base. Uh, can you explain how how important that is to you and what you're trying to do? I mean, one thing I did notice on your Instagram, you do a lot of uh, morning or daily motivations. And like, yeah. what sparked that? Well, you know, um, a lot of times I'm just inspired. So, you know, I want to make sure that anybody following me can get the inspiration that, that I'm feeling at the moment. So if I think of something that, you know, that I feel like people can use, because sometimes, you know, I get motivated and I just want to share that with everybody else. Because even to like, um, I was just talking about how when you start something mm -hmm. off in the beginning, you're not going to get no help. You know what I'm saying? Like even any businesses that I've started, like I have a production company and I didn't produce for something everybody. But in the beginning, you know, when I had to buy that MP3 machine and sit in the studio and learn how to work that and learn how to, you know, uh, sample and learn how to create the beats and sleeping on the studio floor, you know, to get that off the ground, you know, I had to do that on my own. So right. I was just kind of sharing that idea with people. Like in many cases, even if it's a group of y'all and y'all trying to start something in that beginning, you're going to have that core get at you but a lot of people ain't gonna support you in the beginning you're gonna pretty much have to do it by yourself and i was just kind of saying that for the for the people on my page who might be entrepreneurs and, and looking to do something you know what i'm saying because i know a lot of people that follow me they're entrepreneurs and they they looking to make make moves or to you know work for themselves and so i just i just like to keep people inspired that actually leads me into my next question which you probably kind of just answered it i'm a millennial yeah. so there's a lot of like young entrepreneurs a lot of like artists what would you tell yourself 20 years ago from being in this business when you first started? Like, what is something that you would tell yourself to keep these millennials going and staying at it to be in this industry for the next 20 years? Well, I'll just say, you know, each generation, they have um, better tools. So, like, the, the people from the generation before us, like the 80s and 70s, you know, sometimes they'll be mad at you because you have all these tools. So they might, they may say, oh, man, y'all ain't doing nothing. You know, we had to, 
we had to get in the studio and we had to sing the song all the way down. We didn't have, we couldn't punt, you know, and we had to pick the best take out of seven or eight takes. So we had, you guys can sit up in this Pro Tools and sing it line mm. by line. So I'll say the same to y'all, but in a more positive way, you know, you guys have way more tools. Like in the nineties, it was no way for me to connect with my fan base and, and to keep them on my hip. You know, I had to go through, I had to go through Arista or Bad Boy or Interscope. Then Interscope had to put it through their marketing channels. You understand what I'm saying? And then, then from there, you know, if you was the priority in that record label, then you got all that marketing dollars and, and you was, you was doing your thing. But now, you know, the, the, the artists don't need that. You know, you can build your fan base from scratch. I mean, it'll take a lot more work, but then you could build your base from scratch, retain your ownership. And you can walk into a record company and say, hey, man, I got this. So how can you help me grow this? How can we partner? Well, when right. I walked into the record company, I just had straight my vocals, you know what I'm saying? And the vocals from the, from the guys in, in my group. And we just was like, hey, can you help us get this off the ground? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so it's a whole nother day now. So I say utilize these tools that you have at, at, your, um, at your front door. Utilize these tools. Have these tools. You know, if we had these tools, by the time we met Puppy, we had, you know, 75,000 followers, 150,000 followers. We've been like, yo, Diddy, uh, you know, we're, we're moving. You know, how can you help us move? <laughs> you know, versus, hey, man, you moving. Can we right. move with you? <laughs> right, right, right. A question for you, too, man. Since you've been in the game for a long time, where do you see R&B today? That's a good um, question. Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I feel like it. I'll kind of go back to what I was saying earlier. I feel like it evolved. It's evolving the same way it did for our generation, you know, but at the, the youngest have more tools, you know what I'm saying? They have more tools to work with, but I see a lot of the same stuff. I mean, you, you hear love songs, but at the same time you hear music about, you know, them thugging. I think I, I could say that R&B is a little more thuggish, but then I can't really say that because we've always had the thug R&B, the love R&B. Um, I guess the mumble, thing is has come in but i mean i guess to some extent we we done had some mumbling too so i mean <laughs> another question uh who influenced you and what groups or what artists did you listen to back in the day or even now that influenced you to do what you do um i really was influenced a lot by prince because he, he played multiple instruments and i always you know kind of wanted to, to do that uh stevie wonder was probably my main influence because you know, just playing the piano and singing was always my thing. And um, aside from those two, I really was influenced by a lot of gospel groups, you know, Commission, Take Six, they had all the fly harmony, uh, John P. and the soulfulness of him and, and the people in his choir. Shout out to Isaac Carey. I remember the first time I heard Isaac Carey singing with John P. Key Choir. You know, I, I imitated him for like three years, <laughs> you know. So it was a lot of gospel and, and really uh, the people in R&B like Prince and, and Stevie. So if right now, if you could put uh, a hit list together of artists that you haven't had a chance to work with, but you want to work with, uh, give me your top three. Ooh, that's a good question, man. Uh, <laughs> man. Uh, hmm. <laughs> that's tough. I mean. Have you worked with Dwayne? Uh, have you worked with Dwelle before? No, nah, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, man, I gotta, I gotta think well, about that question. Beyonce. Come back. Okay, so That's you tough. said, okay, so you said one person that you have you worked with Stevie before? 
No, I've never worked with Stevie, but I would like to work with Stevie, though. I, I would like to work with Stevie. And she okay. threw Beyonce out there. That's, that's a good one. That's a good one. Queen B? Absolutely. I, I'm just, you know, just saying, I'm, let's put that hit list out there. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. You know, get you in the studio. I mean, you a songwriter, you a producer. Let's make it happen. You know what I'm saying? You're doing some hits, man. What about D'Angelo? Oh, know? yeah, I like D'Angelo, too. You know, I'm open, man. I'm open. I ain't, you know, I ain't picky. I'm open. I'm, I'm down. Let's get it. But, I mean, your your track record speaks for itself. Like, my man, like, Gina Thompson. I mean, that was a banger that you wrote and produced there. Uh, Isley Brothers, New Edition, Total Faith, uh, Jamie Foxx, you know what I'm saying? Like, comedian, actor, singer, Jamie Foxx, you working with him. Of course, Usher, you know, from your own hometown, uh, ATL. Um, yeah. Kelly Price. And, of course, Notorious B.I.G., I mean, he was in the camp. So, I mean, you know, yeah. you work with a lot of, you know, big-name people. Um, if you've even crossed over, because I see also Pink. You even got Pink in here. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, mm -hmm. so, I mean, how did that come about? How did you link up with Pink? Well, you know, Pink was originally an R&B artist. You know, she was actually in a group. And then she ended up changing her name. So I worked with Pink when she was in the group. And she came back to get the song. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, yo, you know, I'm solo now and I'm changing my name. But I still want that song we did, you know. And we was in a we was in a studio on, on Old National. <laughs> wow! Wow! ATL, yeah. So she was she was real R and B. She was in she was in the hood, you know. And we was writing this song for her and uh and her girl group at the time. And the studio was owned by you know two of the biggest dope dealers on the south side. At the time. <laughs> I mean, just keep it all the way a buck, you know. And so we wrote the song, and then later on she she came back for it. So that's kind of how the pink thing. But I want to shout out RL too because me and RL, the the uh, song I did for Jamie Foxx, I actually did the track, so I did all the music, and then RL hit me one day was like, "Yo, man, I'm working with Jamie. You know, you got something for me." And this track, the crazy part about this track, it was for Janet Jackson, and so it actually had her name in it. So every time the beat would come around, it would say Janet. Boom, boom, boom. You know, the beat had her name in it. So he hit me that day and. You know, the people who I sent it to for Janet told me that, you know, her album was done and she had passed on it. So I took her name out of there. I sent it to RL. <laughs> Got in the studio with Jamie and he was like, yo, man, uh, I need you to send me them files, man. Jamie gonna, Jamie gonna keep this one. I was like, okay, let's get it. Let's get it. So that's kind of how that came about. So I got a few stories like that where songs were originally written for somebody else and they ended up somewhere else. That's great. That's now, nice. everybody's not built for this business, right? You got 20 years to claim, but at any point, and, and obviously singing is like your oxygen. As there, was there any point that you felt like quitting, whether it was group controversy, politics with the label, you just feeling like you were stagnant, the group is not growing, did you were going to quit or quitting was never enough? Yeah, I, I never felt like quitting, you know, because it was like, um, I just was doing this as, as a child. So even if I ever thought about quitting, I, I really couldn't entertain it at a serious level because I was like, man, I, this is actually what I do and I really don't do anything else. So <laughs> what am I going to quit and go do? <laughs> right. You know, that's what I was always thinking. And, and people always say, when you start a business, you know, make sure it's something, you know, or at least try to make sure it's something that you're already good at. So, so sometimes I would have, of course I didn't feel like it and it wasn't necessarily as fun, 
But then I would remember, hey, this is, this is what you're good at. So just stick to what you're good at. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And people don't understand how durable this business is. Because if you look at the touring side of it, hey, if you, the touring has, has basically diminished right now. Like, we don't know when we're going to get back on the road. But at the same time, the streaming and the residuals from the songs make the music industry still a very durable business. Uh, being in the group 112, again, yes. 20 years plus, you guys rocking. Uh, I want to go down memory lane one more time, man. And give me, give me one of the tours or two of the tours that, are, that were most memorable to you and why. Um, I'll say the first one was the tour with Whitney Houston. You know, rest in peace. I mean, that was one of the first tours we ever did. Actually, the first tour was the Osley Brothers, but the Whitney tour was just, it was just amazing, man. It was because she had that level of respect. You know, she would come out and be like, man, y'all boys were singing. And, and then I remember this one time we was on tour with Whitney and she invited us uh, to go to the park. She was like, yeah, we're going to be at the park. You know, y'all should come by. We're going to, you know, cook some food and blah, blah, blah. So we go to the park and her and her dancers, they ambushed us with water guns. What? <laughs> yeah. The what? So that was, <laughs> yeah, man. That was <laughs> that was when she became Auntie Whitney at that point, you know. <laughs> she was like Auntie Whitney. Uh, one of my best memories in the music industry period was just being invited to like a, a cookout at the park with Whitney Houston and then getting ambushed by her and her dancers with the water guns. <laughs> That's dope. That's dope. Straight yeah. water fight in the park, man. That's dope. Yeah, man. So, but it was crazy because they had like the big super soakers, and we was like, "Hold on, no, nah, we're going to Kmart. <laughs> we, we're not. We, we, we can't do this. We're gonna go get some too." So we came back, and it was it was just a fun day. And I'll say uh, the second one was this last Bad Boy in the Family tour. You know that Bad Boy in the Family tour, the last one that we did. Man, that thing was epic. It was fun. It was epic. That was like a reunion, right? Not just yeah, from, bad boy reunion. Yeah. yeah, because uh, and and the reason for that one is because, I guess the quality of it, you know, the stage, the lighting, um, and just the overall the overall impact and quality of that show was just super high level. You know, Diddy came with his A game. <laughs> is that something he taught you guys though? You know, uh, underneath his wing, like really. Just every single night, go out and a game. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, Diddy has always been a perfectionist. It's always been like that from day one. Like, hey, doing it as they would say, you know, do it like you do it when you're doing it for TV. <laughs> We've seen rock groups like you know, uh, with Mac or Van Halen break up and get back together. Man, you know, we've broken up quite a few times, like not a whole lot of times, but I, I mean, this time a reunion after this one, because <laughs> it's, it's never been a type of breakup where it got into legal things, you know, and, and not just legal, because we've had legal, you know, situations between us before. But it was just because somebody was mad. It wasn't really nothing serious. It was just because somebody got mad and they just, you know, filed a lawsuit. It was bogus. It was no validity to it. It got thrown out of court. But, I mean, the situation that we're in now, legally, unfortunately, is so serious, it's going to be really, really difficult, you know, to come back from something like that. 
unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So does that mean you're doing a solo career? We should hear like a couple of albums or you got featured anybody on these songs? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm working on some music right now, but as of right now, you know, I really don't have any features uh, as of right now. But, you know, once I kind of get everything done and listen to it, you know, I'll, I'll consider that. But I'm definitely working on some music right now. Get my vocals together. <laughs> Do you think you need features? Like, it's, you know, there's always been that controversy where artists feel like if they don't put out an album with Fat Joe and Beyonce and so-and-so on there on the hook or whatever, that they're not going to have all the ears. Do you feel the pressure of having to have to have someone from this genre on your album to really get ears? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think if, if, it, if it's fun if, if, if it, and if it works for that record, you know, I say do it. Like, because sometimes, you know, as a producer, you may be the record back in the day called Na 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 Na, and uh, Sean Paul was hot at the time, and I, the vision was like, yeah, I want to get Sean Paul on this, you know. So sometimes, you know, the times can inspire you to want to do a record that features a certain person, but I don't feel no pressure because you know I'm from the, just the old school. I mean, it's all about marketing and promotion. I mean, if you market your music, you promote your music, and if it's if it's quality, then people going people going they gonna they gonna get with it. If uh if you was able to look at right now in the industry, well I should say in the well they it, they are in the industry, but Duran's top producers, who are they? Um, hmm. Let's see. Um, I always like Timberland. You know what I'm saying? I always like Timberland. I always like Dr. Dre. Um, I always like uh, Babyface as a producer. I'm a fan of of T Pain as a producer. That's just to name a few, I guess. Now, have you had a chance to work with any of them, or sit in the studio with them to kind of pick their brain and 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 see what you know what the the recipe is? No. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, just as a as a as a student of the game and somebody who plays by ear, you know, I I can hear the recipe. So, like, if you was to say, "Hey, Deron, make a Dr. Dre beat," I could just do that. Or if somebody was coming to me and say, "Yo, you know, I want something that Tim Timbo would make," yeah, I would know how to do that. You know what I'm saying? Because I I just I know that the instruments, I know the music, I know the sound just from playing by ear. So I have a question. Yes. Who do you feel with today's R&B artists, rappers, entertainers, who is the new 112 in your opinion? Right now. Okay. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I didn't know who, yeah. you, who you might, or who's the king of R&B. You know, everybody's trying to run around with these titles. I don't know where it's coming from, but, you know, y'all originated it, so. Yeah, the game is a little different right now. Like, you know, because – when you're dealing with titles, you, you have to have standards and, and the standards have, have changed so much. Like, I mean, how do you, because back in the day when, when there's only the charts, mm -hmm. you know, to verify if this is a hit song or not. But then now you have the charts, you have streams, views, you have stream. Somebody out there that you could go to their concert, <sighs> you and the audience are looking around like, what are they screaming about? You never know, you don't even know this person's name. 
like that's the time that we're in with artistry right now. Like everybody can be a star. So <laughs> everybody can have a hit song, you know? So the standards are so different. It's kind of hard to measure everything. Right. That's okay. like when you go to Coachella and there's like 30 people performing and everybody knows the words to these songs and you're kind of standing there like, who are these people? Because they found them on YouTube or they found them on Vivo or they found them on all these platforms, but you never heard them on the radio. So you're right. Yeah, so it's, there's no such thing as mainstream. You know, there's just, mainstream is really becoming a thing of the past. What is that? You know, I see a new artist every day with like, 750,000 followers and and somebody saying yo this oh, I love your new album and I'm like wait a minute let me check this out <laughs> you know and it's it's somebody I never heard of before love that's what it is yep all right so uh Duran from 112 my man uh give me the name of the album that you're working on right now the name of the album I'm working on right now is called pleasure I have an album that's already out though it's called human and it's it's at 80,000 streams already. So if you haven't heard that, if you haven't heard that, make sure you go and get that. So it's at 80,000 streams and counting. And now I'm working on this new project called Pleasure. So it should be out pretty soon. I don't want to say a date right now because I'm just trying to wrap it up as fast as I can. But it's going to have 30 songs on there. What, 30 joints? Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I got to get my vocals up, man. I got to get on one of these <laughs> joints, man. You know Come on, man. Come today, man. <laughs> wait, wait, since we talking about vocals and we about to get up out of here, my birthday was yesterday. So is there possible you can say me or not sing or say whatever you choose, you know, happy birthday to me. I would super appreciate it. What what is your name? I can't I can't remember. Jay Tasha. Okay, happy <laughs> Thank you. No problem, Mo. No problem. Hey, cut it out. <laughs> I am love. <laughs> Hey, you knew somebody was gonna say so. <laughs> he always a hater. Uh, <laughs> uh, D, give everybody a social media handle so they can follow you. Uh, it ain't like you need more followers because you got like almost a million, two million plus followers. But you know, go ahead. I need more. Go ahead. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. That's Deron from One Twelve on Instagram at Deron from One Twelve. <laughs> And I'm telling you, if you have, if you're not following my man, this dude sits up and does live shows. He gets behind the keys, the drums. He's performing. He's always <laughs> hitting you guys off with new music that he's done, man. So please support my guy. I've known him, man. I've known you for I don't know how long. The whole twenty years. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> when when one twelve uh, landed in L.A. Um, they did a show with us when I was with 92.3 The Beat at a school. And it was uh, Destiny's Child, 112, and Jagged Edge. And I was like, okay, what's up, y'all? We going to do this, this, that, and the other. These dudes went out there, and they performed. And it was like, all of them, you know, mega stars now. But it was like, wow. Like, when you look back up on you know, your, your, your lifespan and the people that you've come across and you rock with, um, I'm truly appreciative of having the opportunity of knowing this gentleman right here, man. So, you know, salute, and I wish you nothing but continued blessings, my man. Appreciate that, man. Likewise, likewise. Thank y'all for having me on the show. Thank yeah. you. Congratulations. 
So please make sure you guys follow my man Deron from 112 on all social media platforms. Pick up that uh, album that's already out and be looking out for that next album. All right, ladies and gents, for the spin room, that's Jay Tasha, that's DJ Ronsi, that's Big Les, and our special guest, Deron Jones from 112. I'll be your man, Big Pee Wee. We are the spin room. Have a beautiful and blessed day. Peace. Mm -hmm.